Welcome back to We Muse Aloud, a podcast where anonymous voices share their thoughts on a theme within a dreamscape of music and ambient sound. In today's episode we explore the Canadian wilderness in three-piece suits. Our contributing voices detail the joys and struggles of canoeing on the lakes and rivers and trekking through the forests of Algonquin Park, in central Ontario. As always, the experience will be best enjoyed with headphones. And now, Episode 3, The Wilderness. I wore those duck shoes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and they, um, because I had this idea that the dress code shouldn't include hiking boots. If yep. we're, so I, I thought these were the perfect compromise because they looked like shoes and they'd look better with the suit. Uh-huh. Everybody else was wearing hiking boots. Uh-huh. Um, they carved my feet up. They wouldn't stay on. Mm. Um, I got my leg stuck in the mud one time, and when I pulled it out, my shoe is still down there. Um, I had trench foot on both feet, and like my blisters were open sores. The worst thing about that trip for me was wearing those shoes. And for all of the people who said to me, you better not do this trip again, because clearly you weren't cut out for it, that's the problem. It was the shoes, If I were wearing the same kind of waterproof hiking boots that some people were wearing, I would have had a completely different experience. Well, the first time I went, uh, when it was me, Colin, and Will, um, I had wore the only shoes I owned, and I think right now, really, the only shoes I own were my steel-toed boots. So I wore those, and they were totally fine, because they were broken in. They had, like, I can walk in those all day. They were fine, except I couldn't or didn't want to step in the water with them and then we, every time we hit a beaver dam I had to sort of like let the other two get us out of it and I wanted to be able to step in the water so instead of buying hiking boots I thought okay I'll buy water shoes that I'll be able to slip in and out and like they worked but they didn't stay on quite as well as I wanted and they're like they're thick rubber and they kind of like they rubbed against my feet like they weren't they really weren't super comfortable um, and I made the mistake of not bringing camp shoes and I know uh, Cam always brings camp shoes, and I didn't, so I had to. They they would always get like gravel or like sand in them, and they hurt. So I'd either have to walk in bare feet, which wasn't always fun on the campsites we had, or I'd have to walk in them, and they were still kind of wet, and they never seemed to dry out. And like, you know, next time I'll probably do camp shoes, and then I'm gonna have to decide whether I do like nice waterproof hiking boots or what I can do to step in the water. But like. Um, okay, so I haven't done much camping, but the camping I've done, I remember going to like a campsite with my brother and his now wife, uh, and you know, doing like a, like one of those plastic tents that kind of just folds up, folds themselves, like you don't have to do any work, like you're not like pitching a tent and like nailing it into the ground or whatever, uh, like one night. And then I've done like camping like in backyards, but I've never gone into like the woods like you know into the wild style which is kind of like that that appeals to me not the dying part that doesn't appeal to me but you know like the idea of like you know just you and nature and you're killing a an elk and you're you know you gotta oh no the maggots you know you gotta get to it before 
Anyway, like that, I I have no concept of it's like of like actually like figuring out how to l- live in nature, even for like as long as like four days. Nature has always been part of part of my life in a way, and whether I didn't necessarily recognize that until later, but it had always been my. My family is are naturalists. My my dad's a ornithologist, and my brothers are are avid bird watchers. And my grandmother um, was also an avid bird watcher, and sort of came from from her in a lot of ways. And so nature is something that's always been part of it. Um, Looking for newts was a huge thing. If you could find uh, if you could find newts was always really exciting. Um, uh, they were uh, orange, and they had uh, little little spots on them. And I remember my dad looked it up one time, and he, he said it was part of their evolution or something, and that they, they end up later on becoming, like, black and turning and having, like, blue spots or something. He was, he always wondered what kind they were. And anyways, I don't know if that was true or not, but it was it's what he told me. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just always remember going through the woods. I remember running through with my dog when I, uh, when I had a pet dog. And then, I don't know if I, I'd always, I'd canoed a lot, and my, my folks have a cottage up up north that uh, had kind of spent a lot of time you know, canoeing so that was uh, I, I enjoyed that but the camping actually didn't necessarily start much before or or really intensely before business tripping um, I guess the first time I went to somewhere that wasn't my property would have I mean the park there was wasn't my property but um, uh, would have been with Cubs when we went uh, on, yeah, with Cub Scouts, uh, we went to, uh, I think it was Camp Endabana. I was in Cub Scouts and then and then Boy Scouts or however that works. Um, I was not nearly as interested back then. I almost wish I could go back and do Cubs and Scouts again because we did go camping a bunch and, you know, we learned knots and plants and stuff but I had very little interest actually in learning that stuff so um, we did go camping um, uh, and we went to or or we'd go on like trips with other troops I went to like the Boy Scout Jamboree in PEI where we all camped together not in the wilderness but you know camping quote unquote Um, we used to go uh, we've been camping my family went camping uh, in Algonquin a couple times um, or more commonly, we'd just go camp in like a trailer park, which was not nearly the same experience, but we were in a tent. And um, yeah, that was the first time we were in cabins for part of it, but then we went out into the woods for, we did uh, orienteering stuff where you get given a map and a compass and told like, okay, you got to find this place deep in the forest here. And uh, that was pretty exciting. And, and I... I seem, to, I seem to remember it being a lot harder navigating than I thought it would be, uh, I guess, just just having to be out there by yourself without, like, a parent or anyone to be like, you know, here's the store's going to be over there. Um, instead, it's, okay, here's a map. And See, I'd have to, like, as long as I, I could, like, have stuff that's prepared, like, I feel like if I had prepared enough food for myself, that would last. So probably, if I really had to, like, before I would start to, like, go insane and starve? Is that, like, that what you mean? Like, I would die? Uh... I, I'd give myself two weeks, like, because I would have prepared a lot of stuff, and then I feel like then it would really start to go downhill fast. 
I would. I think I'd probably drink like I. I get beaver fever from like drinking water that I shouldn't be drinking, and I'd probably eat a lot of really poisonous berries and mushrooms and die. I feel like I could see myself staying for a very long time. Um, when we went camping last August, uh, it was a very grueling, very grueling. I was only on it for five, four or five days as well, um, but we ended up cutting it short because it had been raining all day and we were exhausted. And even then, even when everyone else was at the end of their ropes, I was thinking to myself, no, I could stay. I could stay for another week easily. Probably a month. Like, I, yeah, a month. I'd like to do, I mean, yeah, I'd like to try that. Yeah. You know, the most recent trip was kind of murder in some ways, so that drains your stamina. I could easily, I could see myself doing a week, definitely. Like, I see myself doing seven days, definitely. Um, I think once you get past seven days, it's like you're going for longer than the week, and suddenly it's like, well, this is a big, this is a big thing. Um, but I think I could, I could see myself leaving for for a week, maybe more if I could sort of get my affairs in order and make sure. I had nothing else to worry about. Well, Algonquin Park is great because it is fairly accessible. It's well mapped and there's a ton of great established canoe routes. But this is the kind of park you can drive up and if you want to be a sort of ninny, you could just park your car and camp at a lake. It's like the further you get into the forest, um, I feel more and more like I'm removed from the rest of civilization. I'm removed from um, people. And in that sense, too, I feel like so much of my concerns and my normal, like, everyday problems just really drift away the further into the park that I get. And not even have to canoe or anything. But if you want to get more into it, or if it's, you know, exciting after, trying that first step. Algonquin, you can, there's different degrees of trips you can do. You can do really intense ones where you're paddling and portaging, you know, day after day and getting, you can do that for a week and still be in the park. Or you could do just a little thing where you paddle into a lake and do one portage and then there'll be lots of campsites there. But it, it's cool because it's, there's some busier areas that are even more easily accessible. You can also get into the park and spend a week in there, which I have done, and not even see another person other than your own. I don't know if I prefer arduous camping trips particularly, um, but at the same time, what I do like about arduous camping trips is that you push yourself so hard and you get much more, you get further into the woods and you maybe see parts of the woods that you wouldn't have seen normally. Uh, so for example, there were a couple times last fall or last summer when we uh, were going literally up mountains and through marshes and it, I felt like, I'm sure it's not true, but I felt very much like people hadn't been there for forever or ever period. It might not be true, but it was a sensation I wouldn't have gotten, you know, on an easy camping trip. I like to think of portaging as the uh, hell you have to go through for the, the heaven of paddling on a lake. I love portaging as a concept. I hate it moment to moment. It's a miserable thing, but I also love that. Like when I'm planning a trip, I look for some big portages and wanting to have as many. If I'm doing a trip and there was, say, less than three portages, I wouldn't even consider it worthwhile. I really like carrying the canoe, um, I, and I, I enjoy portaging, and I'm not, 
Uh, I'm not going to lie, I actually really, in some ways, enjoyed all the bushwhacking I did this year because there's something about just, like, having a canoe on your head and, like, pushing forward and, like, feeling very powerful in the forest. And there's two canoes on people's heads in front of me, and I have a canoe on mine. We're just plowing through the trees, like, using the canoe as a sort of moose antler type apparatus. That was actually a really cool sensation, bushwhacking with a canoe on your head, just, yeah, stumbling through the trees, keeping that forward momentum. If you stop, you kind of get stuck, so you just have to keep going like a moose through the trees. I also, I have a, like a system that I'm very used to where I put like a rope on the end and then I'm like holding a rope and it's all about balance and I have very good balance, so I like sort of like navigating all of that. Um, I don't like carrying the other stuff as much. I don't like carrying the food barrel. I don't like carrying two packs. I just, I like the canoe. Going to the gym, you're building up muscles and stuff like that when you're working and exercising, even when you're just like doing general work of, of, of anything, like uh, I guess building things or whatever, you're, you're building up muscles. But like with that stuff, it just feels like it's like a stress you're putting on your body, which is n not causing any benefit whatsoever. It's just pain on like your the wood digging into your neck and like the weight like crushing at you like it's just a brutal endurance test uh, and I don't know how like it's funny the longer it goes too the more you're just like you become a lot more bestial I find like you're just you just have to focus like okay I'm gonna take one more step and then like oh my god I can't go any further I can't finish this and it's like well I gotta just go to that tree a few feet away then I get to that tree and then I gotta focus on the next thing I find I just gotta distract myself. I end up singing a lot of songs and talking to myself just to like stop from thinking about like how much this is hurting and how much I want to stop. But then it, it's a mental thing as well. Each time you're pushing yourself through that portage and suffering and sweating, it's like you're getting to some magical place that where the true wilderness is. And also I think the suffering for me is it satisfying in its own way. Like at the end of a portage, I feel like I'm about to be broken you know you feel like you've almost broke maybe several times in it but you keep pushing then you get to the end and you just drop that canoe and it's that's a kind of euphoric feeling to survive it and then yeah each moment when you feel usually I think a good portage like a long one if it's over a couple of kilometers I'll have like two or three almost breaking points where I decide not to die and continue but where it's like a seems like an option just to let go and not go on, but then you, and the more of those you get through, the more satisfying it is at the end of a portage. I can't deal with more than five breaking points though. I've learned that. I actually really enjoy portaging. Um, maybe not a really incredibly outrageously long portage, but I like the idea of being able to condense everything that I have and everything I need down to a pack and a canoe and being able to carry that. It's like a incredible way to just simplify my life and what I need in that given moment. I think there's a quote from Bill Mason that, that describes, uh, it's like anybody who says they like portaging is, um, is, it, is, either, is either a liar or crazy. Um, and, you know, there's some truth to that. I think it's it's... The portage is a necessary evil, I think, where it's it's each portage you do hopefully takes you one step into further into wilderness. So the more portages you do, the less likely other people will do them, and then you'll get closer to to um, sort of the heart of the wilderness and and being able to live out there without without other people or at least 
other people you might meet out there, hopefully the more portages you've done will be um, like-minded and, and you'll find kinship within that. And that That's interesting to me. Okay, the business trip. The business trip is a tradition. It, I, I love it. I, don't, I, I love telling people about it. An annual tradition that we've done where we go into the woods dressed in suits. I did not understand suit camping at all when they described it to me and when I was invited on it. I was just glad to be able to go camping again. Um, and I continued to not understand it until I showed up and until after the first day when, um, or maybe the second day, when we had gone through all these ridiculous ordeals. We had run out of water. I lost my camera or lost my equipment and my camera broke. Um, and I was still in this business suit and there was just something so absurd and hilarious about it. And jokingly at first said it's going to be business attire, suits and ties. And then that became a reality. We, we, it was a joke at first, and I said, no, actually, everyone has to wear suits and ties the whole time. We did, and we enjoyed that, the absurdity of it, and the, the photos were good. Makes for good photos. When you're wearing a suit in the woods, it's a classic look. So we kept doing that every year. Um, and we wear the suits pretty much the whole time. We wear them throughout the portages and um, paddling. Sometimes if it's cold, we sleep in the suits if it gets uh, brutal. And um, Cam often says this, uh, that it becomes like a second skin to you. Most people think suits, that's ridiculous, it's crazy. And, and part of the appeal, part of the reason we started doing it was because it was crazy. It was a silly, ridiculous thing to do. But once you start wearing them and just keep going, like. After the first couple of days, it just feels natural. It feels weird to not be in it. I haven't necessarily really thought about the longevity of, of the business trip as, a, as an entity. I'm not quite sure what it's doing. It's really interesting with what the, you know, the responses we're getting from other people on Twitter, and I don't quite know what the next step with that is. Uh, I mean, I, I would hope that it continues to be an annual thing, but it's just it's nice camping with, with all, all the the participants and um, to continue doing it that way. There is something about, it's kind of hard to imagine camping not in a suit now. It's there's something about a suit that's just kind of like, yeah, it's kind of what you do. It's, it's, it's oddly functional and oddly practical and, and kind of works in a way. So, you know, I think that wearing suits and continuing that is, is kind of good. I wouldn't like to go camping any other way. I'm that into wearing a suit in the woods. Advantages, it looks cooler. Advantages, there's many layers. You can take off wearing a three-piece suit, you've got a jacket, keeps the bugs away, a vest underneath, you can take the jacket off, you still have a vest on, still looks sharp. Tie, not that helpful, but still kind of cool. Pants, wear them anyway. So for me, yeah, I don't know, why not? And then, you know, you get a nice wool suit, People were in suits in the woods back in the day. I, I don't know. Why would it be better to wear any other kind of clothes? It's tough if it's been raining the one day and you put your suit out. And the way we do trips, we never really do one day, one full day at a campsite to kind of dry off things or whatever. So it's tricky if it rains, your stuff gets all soaked and sometimes we'll, put, we'll try and put it out or something to let it dry off a little bit in the morning. 
or just not to wear it because it's freezing cold at, you know it's all wet and stuff at night and then in the morning when you go to put it back on it, there's this moment of like oh god like this freezing thing why am i doing this but then once it's on and you start moving it's like yeah it's all right uh, i do want to do i think we definitely need to do the meanest link in suits which is this other crazy canoe trip that uh, um sort of exists that that's basically you spend like 16 to 20 days going around Algonquin Park and go you go from every from each uh, Algonquin Outfitter store so you basically start in Huntsville and then canoe up to the Brent store and then down to Opiongo and then to the one at Oxton Lake and then back to Huntsville and so it's a uh, um, that and because that's a documented thing like it's a route that was kind of created by some people too and then you know they they sort of document that within uh, Algonquin Outfitters um, store so you can kind of like I mean just in terms of just be like well you know everyone else did it but no one's done it in suits yet so that's kind of the you know I think that would be would be good to do I don't know if you got told the story about when we got to the access point and the woman uh, who was giving us our permits uh, we told her uh, I think Carrie let it slip out somebody let slip what our route was going to be it was because it was like me Carrie and Jason getting to the access point in it to meet up with Will and Spencer and Cam and Laura. Um, and we told them our route and the woman at the access point station was like, nope, that's stupid. You are stupid. Do not do that. That is a stupid route. You will encounter nothing but pain. Um, and we were like, whoa, okay. Like no advice or anything. And she was like, yeah, the advice is don't do it. If I could go back now and tell her at least that we'd accomplished it, I would love to do that. I'm sure in telling her all of the hardships we experienced, she would say, well, yeah, forget obviously, but I would like to go back and tell her we did it. And being able to tell her we did it uh, in the suits we were wearing. most difficult part of camping for me is when things go go wrong and other people can't deal with them well because um, of course there's always going to be a hard, hardship when camping of course you're going to be sore and tired and um, maybe if you're used to really excellent food you don't like the camping food either right and sleeping on the ground can suck as well um, but for me I don't mind it so much uh, but when other people start getting antsy or start snapping at each other that's what bothers me more than anything else it is that is tough it is tough when other people get upset it's it does put a damper on everything you're like mm, I wish we could but that's the same thing of just living with people you know like when you're in close spaces with anybody for a certain amount of time personalities clash and like you're gonna have head butting it's just too bad you can't in those moments like okay I'm gonna go to my room for a bit or something because you're together what can you do that mountain the hill we climbed where Spencer got stung by the bees. Yeah, that was that was for me the one time on a trip where I really felt like it. Usually it can get close to that breaking point but not go over it. Pride myself on that, but that was like the one time where it's like, yeah, that's just, that broke me. But, you know, not permanently. Um, when Spencer got stung by the bees, I was very concerned as well. I was so dehydrated, I was literally shaking. And it was a long trek of running out of water and being very tired. And then we hit a mountain, which we tried, which we had to ascend. Um, it was a very, very steep hill. Um, and I couldn't get my canoe up myself. It was simply literally too steep to have it on my head. So Will and I had to 
um, suitcase it and just like pull it up like just inch by inch like foot by foot and it was murder it was probably the hardest thing I had I have done in a very very long time and I was very thirsty I was very angry because I um, evidently get very angry when I'm thirsty uh, and Carrie had just lost her bedroll and I was very angry that we couldn't go back for it because we were already too far whatever we finally got the, the canoe to the top of the hill and we had left another one back down at the bottom and I said I said I can't I can't bring this up yet like I, like I don't have the strength within me I don't have the I'm too thirsty whatever and everybody else just basically collapsed and no one was even speaking and when you get to the point where you're so tired and broken like no one was saying anything but Will and myself had to go and get this last canoe that was down there um, and carry it up and I was like fine I'll go and you know, bring the damn canoe up even though I already brought a canoe up and a bag but I was still able to stand so I did that and then we were pulling this canoe up like it's like climbing with a canoe in one hand and like lifting yourself on these tree trunks and on trees just trying to support your weight and pull the canoe up the hill and as they were coming up Spencer of course grabs the the log that's in the stuck in the ground and pulls and and, and it was just a hornet's nest inside of it and they went on my face and they're stinging my face <laughs> I dropped the canoe and was screaming I don't even know what it was that kind of screaming that I always, you know, they talk about in vocal class of a really open, like, resonant, huge scream that's not a strain in the voice. It was certainly a very blood-chilling cry to hear in the woods. I mean, Spencer doesn't swear that much, but that was certainly a very loud exclamation of, of swearing. Apparently, what I said, I mean, according to some people, was seven hells. I don't know why I would say that or if I ever have, but things like that cursing and then you know dropped the canoe everyone was silent everyone else the, the weirdest thing was I was screaming and everyone else was just silent and looking at me it didn't occur to me until much much later that I feel kind of bad that like he had to go down there because I was too tired um, I, I do feel bad about that and I'm gonna probably try and keep that in mind on future trips that like if I don't do it somebody else is gonna have to which is usually how I treat work in general usually it's like no I gotta do it so somebody else doesn't have to at this point I was too fucking thirsty I couldn't deal with it so he got stung and started screaming and we found him some after bite and it was terrible and I'm to this day amazed that he didn't just lose his shit and throw it up because like literally that happened and like probably 15 minutes later, uh, when we couldn't figure out where to go again, I threw my canoe off my head because I was again just furious. So like, uh, he really dealt with with thirst and pain much better than I did. There, there's a lot of things I really like about camping. Um, one of the things for sure is the connection with the other people. There's something like so great about just going through a special experience with, with a bunch of other people who are all, you're all just, you want to work hard to go through something that is like, I can't find the words for exactly, but you want to work hard to go through something that is, is unique and, and, and is an achievement 
even though it's a ridiculous achievement in some ways, it's like, why did you have to go out there? But it's just, you, you do. And I don't know, you find this like cool thing with each other at the end of the day if you're all sitting there exhausted and like some of the best moments are we've been pushing hard just trying to like go through the trails for days and days and we've been taking almost like no breaks and just like killing ourselves and then without really anyone saying it just someone will kind of lie down on a mossy patch and then somebody else will lie down beside them and then we're all kind of just lying there watching the clouds and it's just this amazing feeling. Being in the middle of the wilderness on a completely serene lake and being able to hear the loons calling in the distance. There's something really magical and peaceful and almost spiritual about that that I love. Uh, just the peace, in a way, the quiet, the quiet about it or the sense of communion or there's something about, um, I, yeah, I think it's just getting to the heart of that, that nature and, and, and being there and Letting it speak to you in a way that, that I know that you don't get when you're cut off in the cities and stuff. You get you get back to a basic instinct. I think that hopefully um, rejuvenates in a way and kind of clears the mind and lets you just sort of think thoughts. Just just let things kind of and just listening to that uh, what what's there. For me, a yearly camping trip, excursion into the wilderness is like a, is a very important kind of reset button for my soul, if that makes any sense, or for my existence. I feel like it's the time that I kind of cleanse all the bullshit of my life and civilization over the past year. Yeah, it's, it's like this kind of annual cleansing tradition. It feels like you're sweating out the grossness of civilization and taking in some kind of pure, the suffering that I experience on a camping trip. I perhaps do not suffer enough in my regular life, so this is kind of that sort of atonement, like a monk's kind of whipping themselves in that way. It sounds like it's religious. I mean, I don't consider it a religious experience, but it has those elements, the suffering and then the beauty of it. The suffering that allows you to appreciate the beauty in nature and in everyday life when you get back from it. I usually only think ahead to like, you know, the next year's business trip and what's going to happen with that, but like, Spencer's always going to want to do it. Uh, in fact, getting old will probably spur him to want to do more and like, you know, see what the body can still take. Um, I think I'm going to always want to go on it, at least, you know, to get myself out of the city once a year. Um, I think it'll go on for, for a good long while, I hope.
thank you as always for listening. This episode's contributing voices are Spencer Evoy, Christopher Ross, Ron Kelly, Cameron Davis, Will Hofstetter, Carrie Proctor, and Tom Arthur Davis. We muse aloud and all of its music and sound design is produced by Ron Kelly. If you've been enjoying We Muse Aloud, rating and reviewing We Muse Aloud on iTunes will be tremendously helpful in our endeavors to reach new listeners. It would also be most appreciated if you would tell someone you love about We Muse Aloud. Like us at facebook.com slash We Muse Aloud, and follow us on Twitter at We Muse Aloud. Tom Thompson, the Canadian painter who captured the beauty of Algonquin Park on canvas, once said, Take everything as it comes. The wave passes. Deal with the next one.